And it is Jared and the GM live from Bridgestone Arena. Preds and Caps tonight on ESPN 1025 The Game. We are live today at Pete and Terry's Tavern just outside of Bridgestone Arena, outside of the Sobro entrance, where we'll pretty much be all season. GM, how are you today? I'm great. How was your holiday? It, we atoned Did yesterday, you? but apparently I, I didn't do a good enough job atoning <laughs> because... You happen to watch any sports? Because as soon as the sun went down, the Braves gave up 10 runs in the first inning. Yes, I know. I, I did happen to catch that ah, I was yesterday. Worried. I'd have paid money to see you stomping around, throwing stuff. we got to fire the manager for sure. I'm not happy with him. we got to fire him. I'm not happy with we him. we got to call for his firing today. I mean, that's the most runs in the history of Major League Baseball. That's awful. That's awful. Can't get worse than that. And you know what's crazy about it, too, is like the two biggest Braves. And I know nobody cares about the Braves, so I'll get off this in a second and get to Mariota. But like the two most, like the two bravest Braves, right? Like the Jarrell Casey's and the, the guys that are true Braves are the two dudes that screwed up the whole inning. Brian McCann drops a third strike, unfortunately for him, because that was his last game and he retired after the game. But he drops a third strike for the first batter. And then Freddie Freeman, our main guy, MVP guy, has been with the team for 10 years. Freddie Freeman, ground ball. It would have been one nothing if he fields the ground ball at the end of one. And he boots the ground ball and it leads a 10-run inning. Just absurd. Got to fire that coach. Just absurd. And I'm not happy with Snicker. He made a... a what I consider to be a really big error when he went to Max Freed as a second pitcher as opposed to Darren O'Day. But now I'm getting too into the baseball, and again, not enough people care for me to do this. So, and I'm not happy with Snicker, but he's done better than everybody thought when he was just, you know, was, you know, uh, interim manager. Anywho, so the Marcus Mariota approval poll is back, Floyd Reese. And that is, and we expect to drop after they lose every time, right? Like, oh, unless he throws for 800 yards, which we've talked about on this show, he simply is never, you're never going to see at the bottom of the screen, fantasy leaders, week seven, Marcus Mariota, 523 yards, four touchdowns, and two picks. You are never going to see that line from him. It's just not what he does. Last week was 61%, which was up from 29% the previous week. As of right now, and we still have half of a day for the poll to, to be up there, at Jared Stillman on Twitter, Marcus Mariota, approval poll week five. Do you approve of Marcus Mariota as the Titans quarterback? 53% say yes. 33% say no. 14% say no opinion. Now, if he stays at 53, now earlier in the day he was around 57 or so, so I was wondering, was he going to get back up to the 61%? Because if he... If he finished last week at 61% and he gets back to 61% this week, then that'll tell you that the fans don't blame him whatsoever for the Buffalo loss. The fact that it's it's 61 to 53 tells you they blame him for the Buffalo loss. They just don't blame him as much as they blamed him the other games for the other losses, which I think is probably fair. But, I mean, I'm a little surprised that it's not lower if that makes any sense. I figured the way the fans were going was, you know, if they lose, it'd be 40 or 30%, and if they win, it'll be in the 60 to 70% range. Right. So I'm a little surprised. It feels like the fans are not pinning the Buffalo loss on Marcus because it's not a significant drop like it was from 74% to 52% after the Indy loss 
and then from 52% to 29% after the Jacksonville loss. Which makes sense. I know, but the fans usually pin the quarterback. This quarterback, the fans fans can't wait to pin this quarterback in trouble. They love getting on this quarterback. He's become like a mascot for if the team loses, get mad at him. If they win, don't talk about him. It's it's almost, it's kind of like the opposite of Pecorine, whereas like Pekka has a great game. Everyone gets excited about him. Everyone goes crazy. They lose. No one ever blames Pekka. Marcus is the opposite with that with, as far as the fans are concerned with the quarterback. Right, but Pekka has a heck of a track record. You know, you can just have to look at Pekka's history and know what, what kind of guy he is. Marcus doesn't have that. That's, I think that's the difference in all these for the older guys. And the younger guys, you know, if you if you've been rotten forever, you've just been an average guy. And for whatever reason, you go for a period of time and you're playing better than you played in your entire career. I'm not sure that gets recognized. Everybody just kind of remembers you for kind of what you are. You know, I just feel like there's not an accurate way to put how you feel about Mariota. And maybe that's why 53 percent. Yes, 33 percent. No, is probably accurate in terms of of what the fans feel about this guy because I think there are a lot of people that believe or want to believe and then there's a third of the people, like a third of Titans fans are just flat out out on the quarterback. Like they're the guys that call in the Cedrics who call in every day and are, no, this guy's a bum, we're never going to win with him, move on, draft a quarterback, trade for a quarterback, play Tannehill. That's 33% of the fans. I think 53% of the fans are kind of like me that are like, hey, you know, we said we give the guy the year. The guy hasn't screwed up that much this year. In fact, he may be like 29th on the list of issues for this team as opposed to everyone wanting to make him out to be the first issue. I think some of the people in the 53% that are in favor of Mariota look at the line and they just blame the line and they say that, you know, Joe Montana couldn't play behind this line. As right. bad as it's been this year. And I think the no opinion people are kind of like, I mean, I kind of feel like you're in the no opinion category with how you feel about the quarterback. I don't, I mean, he's, he's going to prove it to me one way or the other by the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, that's so I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm trying to keep open-minded until he, he proves one way or the other. Now he's, his time frame is shrinking dramatically. And so he's going to have to, you know, he needs to do something. He's like the team, exactly like the team. He needs to get on a run. He's got to get on some kind of run here so that you can say, okay, here we go. But, no, we're going to go up and down and up and down and back and forth and, you know. So you looked at his performance against Buffalo as down. You didn't like what you saw from him against Buffalo? I thought he played well. I don't. You, you, this is the NFL. You cannot complete 13 passes. And, and play well. It's impossible. Now, if you want to, if you clean, complete 23 or 33 and play well, then I think, yeah, that's good. But 13 passes? I mean, that's a, you know, the the, uh, uh, the kid at Cleveland completed eight. I mean, that's, that's the worst performance ever. Eight for 100 yards. I mean, you can't. So you've got to, you know, you've got to do more than 13 passes. So what, do they, so what do they need to do then? Like in order to get him to complete 13 more passes, do they need to call more pass plays? Do they need to help the protection? Do they need to – I mean, I, I'm 
See, my thing with Marcus, and I'm not using this as a pass on Marcus. Did you hear Braden Gall, by the way, say that Sunday might have been Mariota's best performance of his career? I did. So Braden apparently did say that. But, like, I'm not here to caddy for Marcus, and I'm not here to sit there and say, hey, you know, and I thought Marcus played well. I, you can say he completed 13 passes. I, I watched the game. I've watched the game twice, and the two times I've watched the game, I like what I saw. And I just felt like all of the problems that led to him completing 13 passes weren't his fault. The offensive line, the drops, everything, you know, all considered. But, I mean, what can they do to help him? Because it feels like this team has no identity of what they're trying to be. Well, if you can't convert third downs, there's nothing you can do. Because you just get, you, you got, they had the 10, they had 10 series. 10 meaningful series in the entire game. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's five and a half, two and a half a quarter. So you go three and out twice. Guess what? There goes a quarter of the game. Well, he did it six times. And if you do that six times, you can't. there's no way you can be good. No way you can play good. Now, I guess there is a way. The other four, if you, if you scored a touchdown every, every series of, for those four, you know, you could win 28 to whatever. But it's just, if you can't convert third downs, you can't do, you can't do anything you want to do extensively on offense because you don't have the ball. I mean, so it's, I I think it's that simple. He's got to help himself or they've got to help him or whoever's got to help whoever so that they can convert third downs. And if you get to the point, I mean, the, the lesson's always the same. You know, if it's third and three, you got a chance. You can do this. Now, all your op- your options are open. Eric Humphrey, sure, get it to him. Well, he has to catch it, it. Yeah, get it to whoever. Get it to Davis. Get it to, give it to Henry. Give it to all, everything. It's third and 12. You can forget a bunch of that stuff now. But, again. Humph- Humphrey's now out of it. Tight end may be out I, of it. I, see, but I get the blanket statement. But, again, like just when I think back to some of the problems the Titans had, you know, you're in deep situations. They're not totally the quarterback's fault when guys are dropping passes the line again the line is a mess and again all of those sacks are not the line's fault and the line is a mess but they are not i mean marcus has some of those you know i mean it's not like we're, we're trying to absolve him of all of that and you know you can't do that now there are definitely some you can absolve him from we know that but when you're giving up you know eight or whatever it is sacks a game I mean, that's, everybody gets a little shot of that. Everybody's, because it's hard, it's hard to have an offensive line going against a a defense that's not the best defense in the league and give up eight sacks unless something's wrong. You know, you got a couple guys hurt or a couple of new guys or something because, you know, any offensive line in the league can can line up and, and protect to a certain extent. Let's take your phones. Again, the poll on Mariota is 53% still approve of Mariota as the Titans quarterback. 33% are out. 14% say no opinion. And for me, I think the finger needs to be pointed at everybody else before it gets to Marcus. They got so many issues. And he's 
one of them, but he's down the list. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM today, we are live hanging out at Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena. By the way, there is something that I, I have, I feel like is just not even really being discussed. And yet it may be the single most important thing for the Titans. Forget all the other stuff. This may be the single most important thing for the Titans. Nobody's talking about it. We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM, live from Bridgestone Arena, Preds and Caps tonight. It's ESPN 1025, the game. A frustrating game on Sunday. How do you keep? How important is it to kind of keep things positive and keep things optimistic? And how do you do that uh, during the course of the practice week? Well, I think just being grateful. I think every opportunity that you have to walk in this building, um, it's a privilege. And you know, no matter what wins, losses, you know, you just got to keep your head up high and, and um, move on. You know, I think our guys do a great job of flushing and. Um, getting ready for the next game and um i don't feel like there's any sort of uh negativity and guys just got to continue to to work let me tell you no team in the nfl loses better than the tennessee titans you know they lose a game it is like clockwork floyd everybody in the locker room says we got to play better we got to be better i starting with me my fault every single player says it starts with me but we all got to be better and we all got to and then during the week that no we're not worried about it we're fine we're you know it's a and I'm, I'm to the point, nobody is talking about the Denver game this week, and I think it's because Denver is so lousy, and the idea of losing the Denver game, which is a possibility, the idea of losing the Denver game, I think is like so hard to fathom right now because of what it means to your team and to your season if you lose the Denver game, but... I mean, the, the uh, my bads and the we need to be betters and the it starts with me's and all that crap, that's not – you're running out of time for that stuff. I mean, I, I hate to be honest, but you are running out – this team, and the quarterback is certainly part of this, but the team is running out of the my bads, we need to be betters, it's early in the season, there's a lot of football lefts, if that makes any sense. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. you got to make up your mind. What do you want? You want Taylor Lewan or you want Marcus Mariota? What Here do Taylor, I want? Here's Taylor calling everybody out, including the people upstairs. I know, but that was and it starts himself. With me. But that's the same as everybody else. No. The, it starts with me. We need to be better. In, including myself. He said, everybody needs to do better. Upstairs, coaches, Gia, everybody, including myself, needs to do better. So, I mean, there are a lot of people that didn't like that. So I think it just depends on, you know, who you are, what do you want. I mean, there is no happy medium. There's nobody that's going to please everybody. And that's why, generally speaking, I don't pay any attention to any of that stuff because it's, you know, uh, for some guys, it's a vent. For some guys, they're saying what they think they want you to hear, what you want to hear. And so it's, you know, I'm not sure that a great deal of it is from the heart for anybody through in any sport. No, know, no, no. I'm, not, I'm not talking about what they're saying. I'm just saying that I'm not talking about like, you know, do the Titans need to be more mad? Do that. I'm not talking about that. They're running out of time this season to lose games. Like if they lose the Denver game, that to me, that is a hit the panic button moment. If they lose Sunday at Denver, if they lose Sunday at Denver, they are in real trouble. I mean, the season's not over, 
if they lose Sunday or anything like that. No. But they are on the brink early in October if they go to Denver and lose and are two and four. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's certainly going to make it a ton harder. That, that would make them two and four. And, uh, you know, with ten games left, which is which is enough time to rebound. We see it, you know, from somebody every year. But if you're getting two and four, you know, that's like Denver. You know, we want it. People are going to look at Denver and say, Denver is only one and five. Well, they just beat San Diego. They lost to uh, Jacksonville by two. They lost to Jacksonville by two, but they lost to two other good teams. And then they lost one they shouldn't have lost. So, you know, I mean, Denver is better than anybody's given them credit for. So you can, you know, we can say what you want and make of it what you want. And, you know, that's like the teams that are sitting there that are, you know, four and one or whatever it is that haven't beat anybody. You know, you look at those and you go, okay, they're four and one. Well, who'd they beat? Well, they beat Cincinnati and they beat Tennessee. Okay. You know, so much. Um, So, like, I I think Denver stinks. I mean, I I think if I believe Denver is a bad football team, but I believed all year going into the season, this Denver game was one that I was like, oh, man, every time you go out to Denver, you never play well. The Titans have never played well when they've gone out to Denver. Now, they've only gone out there twice, but they have never played well going out to Denver. And then the third time was a preseason game that was – for a, for even for a preseason game was as disastrous as the first inning for the Braves was yesterday. Bad. I think you were still GM when that happened when they went out to Denver, and I remember everybody was panicking. It was the third preseason game, and the Titans just got crushed. It was like the Pittsburgh preseason game this year on steroids. It was bad, and um, I mean I think they're a bad football team, but just because they're a bad football team, in my opinion, doesn't mean that they can't beat you. And you've proven. If the Titans have proven anything to us over the last three or four years, it's that they can beat anybody and they can be beaten by anybody. And this Denver game represents a game where you're not good when you travel out west and Denver has to have it to stay alive and Denver finally won a game so they got a little confidence. So there's a lot of good things pointing in the direction of Denver. And then there's you. And all I'm saying is if you lose this game, season on the brink. Because you're about to dig yourself a hole that you can't get out of. And some of these games, when you look at the season, you're like, okay, you have to be able to win certain games. Like, you have to be able to beat. Because we know you might not beat Kansas City or New Orleans or teams like that. But you've got to beat Buffalo, and you've got to beat Denver, and you've got to beat Oakland. and you got. Well, now you start losing those games. That doesn't necessarily mean because you lose those games, you're going to win the Kansas City game. And you're running out of AFC games to win if you want any semblance of a tiebreaker which is the other thing that wasn't brought up about the Bills game, is the Bills are playing a third or fourth place schedule, so the Bills might get their way to nine wins, and because they beat you, there's a tiebreaker if you were to find yourself in the nine and seven class again. Well, exactly. So keep porking yourself, because that's what you do when you lose games like this, and that's why the Denver game, I don't even want to think about the Titans losing the Denver game, because if they lose the Denver game, oh, oh. Well, your season is all but over if you lose that game. I mean, they are on the brink if they lose Sunday. And I don't think this team can afford to be in that situation. Let's go to your phones. Let's get in your t- uh, tweets. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. At Jared Stillman on Twitter. John is going to kick us off today. I'm Marcus Mariota. Thank you for calling. Go ahead, John. Okay. 
Hey guys, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I, you said something earlier. It's like you don't know how to describe Mariota. I think he's as simple as this. You want him to be more, but you're certainly glad he's not less. I mean, he's not uh, he's not a, a, a Rivers or or, or a Manning or, or whatever. But he's certainly not a Brian Hoyer or a, uh, you know a Blaine Gabbard or anything like that. And then uh, Floyd, I'm kind of with Jared on this one, man. We dropped two and four. We're still looking at Saints, Atlanta, Houston twice, Indy again. I, I don't know, man. It looks it looks pretty dark. I'll hang up and listen. Thank you. Thank you. You've already played Atlanta. Unfortunately, you don't get to play Atlanta again. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the, you do look at the schedule after you start two and four. I'm, I think it's tough for you because you kind of feel like every game is a must-win game and you approach each game individually and it doesn't. You know what you have to do. But you know, you but when you step back from that and you look at the idea of being 2-4 and four after, with the schedule that's ahead after the Denver game, that's why I, I don't even want to think about the Titans not winning on Sunday. Well, I mean, it, they, you don't have options. You know, if you're in the business, it's not like – it, 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 none of that matters, you know. If in fact you're two and four, which nobody wants to be, don't get me wrong, nobody wants to be. But what are you going to do? Quit? You know? Here, take my cleats. I'm not going back out there. No, you're going to work harder than you've ever worked. You're going to go back out there and you're going to try to do whatever it is the next week. I mean, because you don't have an option. It's not like you can say, "All right, bring bring in the next group." Let them give it a try. It's you. And so you have to look at it like, okay, here's one that, you know, we need to win. Everybody knows that. You need to win every game. Everybody knows that. And if you lose, you sulk for a day and you get back to work. I mean, what's, like I said, you don't have any other option. That's the business. And I just feel like the fans on the other side of it are like, you know, they got excited about this team. They thought this was going to be a good season. And now all of a sudden, if you lose the Denver game, it's October 10th and you're looking at it as a fan like, I got all excited for this? And this is a lost season when I was in the playoffs two years ago with a significantly worse roster? And I was in the playoffs? And now here I am at 2-4 and four and I can't beat Buffalo or Denver? I mean, that's where the fans are looking at it from. I mean, you talk about how the, the team doesn't quit after they lose these games, the fans do quit. Oh, yeah. And they will quit on I this know. team if they, you know, where they're I getting know. there. I, it and feels again, that way to me. And, again, the team has nothing they can do about that. You know. They can win. They, they can't. Can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, win. But if you don't win, you know, you can't encourage the fans. Hey, come on. Keep, you know, it's it's just not going to work that way. And so, you know, that's, the, again, that I think that's part of the business for these guys. And the veteran guys all know it. Now, the young guys know it. Uh, I don't know, but they'll, they'll learn quickly. The young guys are really not important on this team. I mean, this team is about these core guys that have been here. You know, the, the group, the Bayards, the Mariotas, the Lawans, the, those are the guys that I consider to be the core groups. The other thing is Roger Saffold. Man, he loves to talk. Have you noticed that? Roger Saffold has been doing a ton of talking. Which I'm kind of surprised by, right? Like the I haven't heard him say a word. That's amazing. What did he say? Oh, no. I mean, he's talked after every game. He's talking during the week. And I guess uh, it came out, and, we, and we'll get to this later, but uh, it came out earlier that he, Saffold, I guess, said that he's just not seeing in line with the coaching or is not getting 
up to the coaching in the scheme or he's got to work his way into the scheme or something along those lines and, and not so much that he's just flat out sucked. So I don't know what to make of that. But, you know, remember Saffold was saying earlier, oh, it's just the beginning. Or, no, it's just the preseason. I'll be fine. And then after the preseason, say, you know, we still got a lot of football left, and now it's the, you know, I got to get used to the coaching, I guess is kind of. I, I, like I said, it was. it's funny because you mentioned that because I don't think I've ever heard his voice. Well, we've definitely played Saffold know. clips on I the show. I don't know, did we? Yeah. 615-737-1025. 615-737-1025. Coming up next on the Broncos, we stay on this Bronco game. Is it fair to say that Denver's a bad football team? What do we think of Denver? Like, are they legitimately bad? And can we sit here and say, hey, if the Titans lose this, which we all know they're capable of losing to bad teams, they lost to a bad team. 615-737-1025. Jared, the GM, live from Bridgestone Arena. 615-737-1025 is the phone number authentically american that's right authentically american hey if you are looking for any apparel and you want your apparel made in the usa and not made in vietnam or not made as we've learned a lot this week about china and how they treat people over there you want clothes that are made in the usa you got to get with authentically american just like we have for polos and jackets and you can get hats and shirts and socks and everything made at authenticallyamerican.us. In fact, it can be for your entire business or it can be just for you. It's that simple, authenticallyamerican.us. They've got the brand-new Sweat Ink, where, of course, you get the secret message that's thrown, shown through your hard work on a T-shirt when you sweat through the shirt. That's what Army football uses. That's what a lot of people use. It's Sweat Ink. And anything you get authentically American, whether you're the business and you're buying it in bulk or you're whether you're just buying yourself, authenticallyamerican.us promo code jared that's my name j-a-r-e-d promo code jared gets you 20 percent off of your order that's authenticallyamerican.us the next iconic brand that is truly american made as a coordinator Vic Fangio, his defenses have consistently been good. What is it that stands out about his defenses? Is it the inside linebackers, the edge? Well, I mean, I think traditionally they've always had very good pass defense. He's very good um, mixing coverage. It's a very good scheme, but, you know, the, the players play hard. And it, you know, it's always about the players. You know, they have good players. And they they're play with great fundamentals up front at the line of scrimmage. Safeties are active. They, they trigger you know, the, the corners, I think, can play man, can play zone. It's something that it's it's a versatile uh, defense. So they've always, you know, he's all, Vic's always done well. He's a great coach. But to, to be a great coach, you have to have great players. So we all know that any time the Titans play anybody, the coach, the players all say, hey, this is a great team. This is, uh, you know, I know Denver's one and four, but what Denver's really, they, you know, Flacco's won a Super Bowl and has, you know, if I was a Titan player, I bet he beat our rear end last year. And obviously Denver's defense is usually pretty good, and Fangio's a good defensive coach and all of that. Denver is not necessarily a very good football team when you just look at the numbers. And when you look at the numbers and you look at the stats, in fact, I don't want to say it's fair to say that Denver sucks, but, I mean, the again, the stats are not pretty for the Denver Broncos. Their offense is better than ours. That's just, they're still not pretty. Well, 
Oh, yeah. I mean, but whatever you're saying about them, the Jared and Floyd and Denver are saying about us. Uh, the Jared and Floyd I mean, and Denver. It's exactly the same. The Titans score more points than the Broncos. We've won two games. They've won one. What are we dancing around about? I'm not, again, I'm not saying the Titans <laughs> don't suck. I'm just saying that the Broncos, and, and this is the thing that, that kills me about this game, the Broncos are 26th in scoring points this year. They're 21st in getting first. Uh, and how many points have they scored? They've scored 90. And we've scored 98. <laughs> but they've given up 106. 98 over five games. We're skyrocketing. But they've given up 106, and you've given up 76. Yeah, our defense, so that's a, you our know, defense I mean, that's is a pretty good. Difference. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the thing Denver does, Denver is minus four in the turnover department. You're best in the league. Yeah. You know, so that, like, and that's the one thing. If there's any saving grace of Mariota, is the fact that the guy does not turn over the football. So he may not throw for five touchdowns a game, but if he throws for two touchdowns and doesn't turn over the game, as we saw with Cleveland and Atlanta, you can kind of pull away because you're not turning over the ball. But if you don't score any touchdowns, then you're doesn't matter. up a creek. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know that this is, this is a total fan take, Floyd, and it's not something that a coach could think or a GM could think or a player could think because as a coach you have to think about, okay, what could happen that could cost us the game and things like that. I'm just looking at the Denver game and I'm thinking, how many more games? Like, you need a game to get right this week. You know, one to get right and really kickstart you, you know, in the right direction. And you've got the Chargers who have been very up and down this year and Tampa and Carolina who both are, are kind of questionable after the after the Charger game where you could get on a roll. I mean, this is like a gift on the schedule that when you need to win a game, you get to play the Broncos. Just based on what I've seen from the stats of Denver and what little I know of Denver and all of that, this is kind of a gift. And, and I, I just... I don't know if the Titans can afford to pass on the opportunity to beat a team like the Denver Broncos because there's just so much working against Denver right well, now. Well, yeah, but, I mean, the Denver's saying the same thing about us. They're looking at us, and they're saying, hey, if these if this team scored 20 points, it would be 5-0. and They can't score. They cannot score. So it doesn't matter how bad our defense is. They can't score. And they can't so, kick. Yeah, we got no kicker. I mean, it's... So, I, I mean, everything, I mean, this is going to be a war. Now, if, you, if I was New England going into Denver, you'd be thinking, hey, you know what? We just take care of business. We're going to be okay. But we've got to take care of business. But, you know, we, we've got to really work to screw this one up. Well, that's not us. I mean, for us, we've got to go in there. We've got to battle our butts off and hope things, you know, and they're, and they're saying the same thing. I mean, they're, for them, I mean, last week, they, if they went 0-5, it would be the, the first and I think only time in the history of the franchise they had ever gone 0-5. Well, they pulled out of that against San Diego that we can never beat, that we got to play next week. And, uh, and so now, you know, they're feeling good about themselves. That was a nice win for them. And they're saying, okay, you know, maybe we maybe we got this thing. So all the things that we would like to do, they're saying, hey, they're us last week. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we can get this one and we can get on a little bit of a roll here, maybe we can get this thing going and, you know, see if we can stack some together. And uh, 
And, and I think that's true for both teams. I mean, that's definitely what we need to do. And I'm not one to play the huge what-if game all the time, but if, if you go back to Denver's game against Chicago that they lost earlier in the year, if the refs don't screw up the clock, Denver wins that game. I mean, the, the refs screwed up the clock. Like, it was a ref error that gave Chicago the opportunity to get one extra playoff that they got off, and they kicked the game-winning field goal because they got the extra playoff. And if they don't get that playoff... Denver wins the game over Chicago. So the ref error is the only thing that is keeping you from being two and three and them from being two and three at the same time. I mean, I'm just looking at it. Denver averages 349 yards of offense a game. You average 307. Yeah. You know, that's the, at the same time. So then I guess if I'm going to look at all these stats and say Denver's a bad football team, is Tennessee a bad football team? (laughs) They've got two wins. You can't call them good, can you? I mean, <laughs> I thought they were good. You can't call. You got to win games to be called good. I thought coming into the season, the Titans were going to be a good team. Well, I mean, see, that's the, the the problem is if you look at the roster. I mean, there is absolutely no doubt this is a better team. I mean, this roster is the best roster they've had in three years, absolutely. But it boils down to schedule. It boils down to division. It boils down to all of that stuff. In my opinion, it boils down to the kicker getting hurt. It boils down to the kicker. It boils down to, you know, your quarterback playing good. It boils down to you being able to run the ball. I mean, it boils down to there are a bunch of reasons. I mean, you can go through and list a ton of things. I, is it, is it really more than be, a ton? To me, it's to, two. Offensive line, kicker. Those are the two things that have held you back this year. Those are the glaring things. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, but I mean, we have not thrown the ball well. We have not run the ball. I can't say that. We've run the ball okay. Um, defense, you know, we play good enough defense. So, you know, you say, okay, if you want to be a four and one team, let's just throw it out. Has your secondary played good enough to be a four and one? Yes. Has your inside linebacker? Yes. Have your defensive tackles? Yes. Have your outside linebackers? We're number four in the league in sacks. Number four. That's incredible. Because you don't have any sense of that. You don't have any sense of the of the sacks, you know, of us being a sack team, and we're fourth in the NFL. That's like Javon Kirst team kind of stuff. So then you turn around over on the inside and you say, okay, can you run the ball? Yeah, we're running the ball okay. I mean, I don't know what Derek's averaging, but I'm going to guess he's averaging probably 70 yards a game, 80, something like that, yeah. 80, yeah, whatever it is. And and you boil down to the kicker and you boil down to the to the rest of the offense. And you say, well, are we protecting the quarterback? Nope. You know, are we throwing and pitching and catching well? No. Well, you know. So, I mean, there's there are... There are some things, the, the sad part, and it's always the same story. You know, there are so many things that are really, really good that you want to get excited about, and yet you've got those two or three anchors that are just holding you back. You know, they're still in the water, and you've got to some, some way, somehow get those out of the water before you can really start making progress. The crazy thing about the Titans, though, is the fact that, like, if Mariota doesn't throw interceptions, which he hasn't done this year, you really don't have to – if you've got a great defense and you don't turn the ball over, you really don't have to do a whole lot to win a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you've got a great defense that will hold it to 15 points and you don't give them short fields, really all you got to do is score 16 points and you're going to win every single game. That's exactly right. 
The problem is, is that the kicker can't kick, the receivers can't catch, the line can't block, and when Dottie has to, in, in the face of everything else, the quarterback sometimes can make the play. And that's why you're a 500 club. Yep. 615-737-1025, 615-737-1025. As we are live today at Bridgestone Arena, Preds and Washington tonight. Coming up next, by the way, speaking of the Preds, Kyle Turris is paying what he owes. What does this mean for the team, and what does this mean for him? We'll get to that because I have a theory. And it's coming up next. It's Jared of the GM, live from Bridgestone Arena. Hey, be sure to check out the pregame show. That's right, on Sunday, live from the George Jones from 1 to 3 with the kickoff, getting you ready from 10 to 1. 1 to 3 for the pregame show, live at the George Jones, downtown on 2nd Avenue Sunday, as we get you set for Titans and Broncos. The pregame show is brought to you by Wholesaling, powered by RumbleOn.com, Kubota Tractors, Middle Tennessee Kubota Dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. Jared of the GM. CSPN 1025 the game. Now down the left wing, that shot goes wide of the glove of Rene. Bergman had the shot. And now ahead, Predators a two on one. Here's the try by Turris to score. Kyle Turris elected to shoot rather than pass. And the Predators lead by two. Now I was not able to touch on this yesterday, obviously, as I was atoning. And I would say, if anything, I saw Kyle Turris snipe the puck into the net Tuesday night, and I jumped out of my chair at my house, Floyd, and I said, Kyle Turris, you're going to pay what you owe as he put the puck in the back of the net. And really, I thought that that goal was the backbreaker against San Jose. Like, you were probably going to win, but then when Turris sniped the puck in, instead of giving it off to Cali Arncroke, when Turris sniped the puck in, it was like, game over, you win. And I got to say, I... I'm not used to seeing this from Kyle Turris. This is like a new man, right? Like, wait, wait, who, 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 who's wearing number eight? Oh, you, out there? Are, you always liked him, though. He was always, oh, one he was of your always favorite. my favorite for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really. So I have a theory. <laughs> I have a theory. Number one, I think Turris is much better on the fourth. Like, because of Deshane and everything else, the, the Predators rely less on Turris. So when he adds a contribution, it's like, hey, a goal from the fourth line. Not when he doesn't add anything. You're sitting there with your hands out saying, where are you? You know, which is better probably for him on the fourth line than it would be on the second line. But I, I wonder in my heart and in my head, if they really want Turris to have a good start to the season and get going so then they can flip him to somebody else to just take his money and then call up one of the young guys, Tolvanen, or uh, Pitlick, or you know, one of the younger guys, and get them in the lineup so that they can get some salary cap space. Because I think they've got like a million bucks in salary cap space, which isn't a lot, and so they're up against it. But if you can offload Turris, then that allows you not only to get salary cap space for this year, but also for the coming years is four or five. Yeah. <clears throat> when you're going to have to pay Roman Yossi his money. And I, just the vibe I get from talking to everybody, Yossi's going to get paid somehow. And the holdup on it may be in them trying to move some other things to make sure that they have the room that it will take in order to get Yossi done. So is Turris scoring a good thing because it's good for the Predators? And if Turris is better, then it makes your team better. And maybe you go into the playoffs with a Turris. Or are we rooting for Turris to be successful so they can then trade him to somebody else so you can get him off your hands? Well, I mean, you want – I mean – 
either way, you're going to win. I mean, it's a win-win, you know. But I, it's like we were talking about, you know, Josie, Josie and the first, the new contract yesterday. And every time he goes through one of these two-score games, <laughs> it's getting a little bit tougher for David and the guys. I mean, it's he's he is playing his way into the big, big, big buck, you know, arena. And and I don't know if they can get there, even with Turs. What's it, six million? His is six. Mm-hmm. They got one. That's seven. I ain't going to get it, you know. <laughs> so they're going to need more money someplace if they get it done. And I don't know when they're getting it done or, or if they will get it done. But, well, uh, I, I think one of the things that they're looking at, too, is, I mean, you're right. If you're at one million bucks, now they're going to lose some guys to free agency and stuff like that. But ultimately speaking, and I think there's an expectation the salary cap will go up in the future, and all of those things play at hand. But I mean, you can't pay eight million, eight million. I think it's four and a half to Benino, and six million down the middle. I mean, you're talking about almost thirty million dollars in centers right there. You can't pay that kind of money. $30 million in centers? Can't do that. So they're, they're going to be at a point here soon where one of these guys has to go. It's either going to be Benino or it's going to be Turris. And I think they all will hope that it is Turris, but with the understanding that it might be Benino. Right. But the truth is, to get the money they need, they're probably both going to have to go. Maybe another situation. <laughs> so, so that's the that's the problem you're running into. We were talking about because his, uh, I mean, Ryan was saying yesterday. We, you know, for I heard a lot of people talking about nine as as a number, and and Ryan thinks that's the starting number. Oh, I'd be stunned if, they, if if he was asking for nine. I think Adam Vingan told us a couple weeks ago that he had heard a report that. Yossi's camp was asking for nine, and the Preds were asking for eight. And I'm thinking to myself, if Yossi's asking for nine, I put the contract right in front of him right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. I mean, the elite go. guys go for 11, and I think Yossi is as close to an elite guy as you got. So if the elite guys are going for 11 and Roman Yossi's asking for nine, I don't – that would be like if the going rate for a starting, for a legitimate starting quarterback is $30 million in the league and Russell Wilson calls and says, I'll do 26 – don't you rush over there to run to the contract to Russell Wilson to sign for twenty six? Sure. You know, isn't so I'm I'm with you on the Ryan factor of it probably starts at nine. I don't believe that every game Yossi goes out and scores a goal that the price goes up. This is not the stock market. No, but what what happens is as the season goes and he continues to play well, the price goes up. Because it's it's not only you that are looking at him and saying Wow, he's playing good again this year. It's everybody in the league that's looking at him. And there's some, you know, the scariest part, there's always some team out there sitting and saying, you know what, he wants, what does he want? He wants nine, and they're only willing to offer. Tell him we'll give him 11, you know, and it just blows you out of the water. And now, you know, you're stuck without one. Now you got to go try to replace him and, and, you know, how much money do you have? A million bucks. Probably not going to help you. <laughs> so they got to get rid of Turris. Got to do something. So every time Turris scores, we should root for it, not just because it helps the team he's currently playing for, the Predators, 
but may give you the possibility to trade him to another team in which you don't have to take on any of the contract. And helps him. You know, let's face it. I mean, he, he wants to feel good about himself. And do you think he wants to play on a fourth line? I don't. You know what? I, I would guess. Now, this is just me. After last year, he wants to play someplace where he can have some success. If that's a fourth line, then so be it. You know, if I can be down here and not be the brunt of every hockey joke in the city, then I'm I'm cool. You know, I'm good. Um, but I mean, let's face it. If he if he was with another team or if he had his druthers, you know, he'd want to be a first or second line guy. Well, and he he probably thinks you know I was paid to be a second line guy and. Here I am on the fourth line, and I mean, if I go somewhere as, else. Yeah, I'd probably be as highly paid fourth line guy as there is in the league. The one thing I think people have a hard time understanding, though, is, like, in terms of money, is the tax structure, especially when it gets into Canada. Because if they want to trade me to a Canadian team, I don't care if you'll play me on the first line. The difference between getting taxed in the state of Tennessee and, the, and getting taxed in Canada is night and day. So if I'm making $6 million bucks in the state of Tennessee – and then they want to trade me, and I, I can play on the second line in Vancouver. No thank you, because I don't want to get that much money taxed for me. When I signed the $6 million, I wasn't signing it thinking I was getting Vancouver money. I thought I was getting Nashville money. That's We were talking about that yesterday again when we were talking about the other contract, because he gave them a, a hometown discount, if you will, the first first contract. And I, now this is, and I'm NFL could be completely different from hockey. I don't see that happening again. Now, I don't see that. If he's willing to give you nine, I feel like that's a hometown I discount. Don't see, maybe, yeah, that, but I don't see the hometown discount coming again without the no trade. And if we're against the no trade, then I mean, I think this could be a hard deal to get done. Coming up next on the show, Mike Vrabel said he's thinking about doing something that I'm trying to figure out why he hasn't already done. Is he thinking about it? Is it a possibility, or is it just lip service from the coach? We'll get to that. Coming up next, Jared and the GM live from Bridgestone Arena. Hey, Jared and the GM tomorrow will be broadcasting live at the 40th Annual Nashville Oktoberfest, a Nashville tradition since 1980. It's not just a beer festival. Oktoberfest has something for everyone. Delicious German foods from dozens of restaurants and vendors, world-class beer from local breweries, tons of events, arts, crafts, the live German music, something derby and enormous parade through downtown plus so much more for more information or to purchase tickets visit the nashville oktoberfest.com jared the gm at espn 1025 the game